0: Welcome to the AMM podcast. I'm Andrew Michael Metter, and we're wrapping up season one with episode 10 today and my esteemed guest is Katie Richardson.
1: Hi, I um, am a graduate student at the Seattle school, getting my master's in um, counseling psychology. Um, I've grown up evangelical, um, or evangelical adjacent my whole life. Um, and, I still identify as a Christian, um, but I don't identify as Evangelical, um, and that is what I want to say about me.
0: <laughs> Great. Yeah. Would you, would you say that you like the term ex-evangelical to describe um, I,
1: I don't like to describe myself as what I'm not, so um, I don't, mm. ex-evangelical I think makes a lot of sense um, in that transitional period when you're deconstructing. Um, but I'm not deconstructing anymore. I'm very comfortable with the term Christian. Um, if we want to get like niche, niche, niche specific with what I believe about the Christ, it's that I'm, I'm a mystic Trinitarian. Um, but I'm a Christian that works for me. It's fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So the premise today is, have we gone too far? So. Katie. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Have we gone too far with protein candy? Uh,
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't understand why people want sweet protein things in general, like why? Like when they came out with protein chips, I was like, this makes sense to me, but I don't ever want to eat like a sickly sweet anything after working out. So I'm going to say for sure. Yes, we've gone too far in general, with sweet protein things.
0: All right. So I, I'm kind of on the fence about it because I've started working out in the last year. And so I'm, I'm very conscious about my protein intake and what I'm putting in my body to make sure I'm nurturing Mm -hmm. my muscle development and growth. And I walk into like a GNC and I see protein cookies and protein candy. And I'm like, this is what's wrong with America. Like we, (laughs) like we've got to put protein in candy to get people to eat protein. Right. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that's the presupposition that started the product, but maybe it's like, oh, well, you know, if you're working out, you want to treat but maybe you don't wanna go like off the deep end with high fructose corn syrup or a Milky Way or Snickers bar or something like that. So protein candy, it's a way for you to feel good about yourself and increase your protein intake.
1: Yeah, um, I guess, I I mean, I work at a bakery and I'm surrounded by sweet treats all the time. Mm -hmm. And in my estimation, it's like just buy the pastry and eat the sweet thing and then go make an egg. Like what I, it's fine, eat the real food. It's okay because I can't, you're gonna eat, I can eat maybe half a Danish, you know, like I can't even eat a whole Mm. Danish. And if you just eat the thing that tastes good, then you can get your protein from something else and you don't have to do this weird double duty thing that is gross, like gross processed food, but then also it's not gonna satisfy you like, just like how a Danish would. So just eat the Danish, go buy the candy bar.
0: So protein biscuits is what I hear you saying.
1: Yes, that's what you hear me saying. Or just protein. I mean, I'm a vegetarian, so I get asked all the time, like, well, where do you get your protein? And it's like all the food, it's (laughs) it's there. I can, can, I'm fine with protein. Thank you for that question.
0: Yeah, I get protein in my candy and my waffles. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Yeah, and my candy and my lollipops, which is like all I eat, so it's like the opposite. I don't have a sweet tooth at all. I'm mostly a savory person.
0: All right, Katie, have we gone too far with modern medicine?
1: I mean, people are still sick, so probably not too far. I, I think that there's still treatment that we can develop. Have we gone too far with Prescribing things prematurely with people and, and people being dependent on medicine. Yes. Have we gone too far with the pharmacy as an industry that is for profit? 100%. But there's still diseases that need to be cured. So I don't think we've gone too far with modern medicine.
0: Okay. And leading into this next one, so it's building off of it. Have we gone too far with be fruitful and multiply?
1: Yes, I think we have. (laughs) No, I honestly, I don't know. Um, I do know that the, the idea of overpopulation is a myth and it's often used to shame people of color more than it is anything else. So that's be fruitful and multiply as this idea that we are overpopulating the earth and that's a problem. Yes, I think, I think that's, that's not, that's not it. But, um, I do think that there is a lot of pressure for people to have kids who don't want to have kids because of that concept of be fruitful and multiply. And, um, I think it's okay if you don't want to have kids, I'm not sure I want to have kids. So there you go. That's, those are my two thoughts on that.
0: <laughs> okay. So for anyone listening that maybe they don't have as, as deep, uh, I don't know how to say it, maybe racial or cultural, understanding Mm -hmm. those things so what you said at the beginning about um it sounded like you were speaking to some sort of racism yeah could you explain that just a little bit more
1: yeah so there's this so there's this idea especially when we're talking about like climate change or overusing our resources that um that there's just too many people on the planet that there's there's too many people on the planet and that's the problem that's not the problem we have more than enough to care for every person on the planet, that we have enough resources. We just can't live the way that we are living currently. often that idea of overpopulation is used to shame people of color who typically have larger families um, or typically have more kids than than a a white family that typically has like the 2.5 kids. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's that's kind of where that's coming from.
0: Okay, so now, Katie. Yeah. Have we gone too far with fishing and hunting?
1: Um, I believe that ethical hunting is the best way to eat meat if you're going to be a meat eating person. Um, it, it often leads to conservation um, of lands. Like I lived in Montana for. Two and a half years, and like the yeah. hunters are the biggest land conservation advocates you'll ever find because they want to make sure that the that the the herds are preserved um, because they want to be able to hunt elk and deer and they actually and and antelope and they actually use the that meat to feed their family and the people in their community. So I think that we should probably have more hunters like that. I don't understand. I think we've gone too far with the idea of like big game hunting or hunting. That's not involved where there's like no meat consumption involved. It's just about like the trophy Mm -hmm. and that that's pretty disgusting to me and And then it's fishing. As far as fishing goes, it's kind of gross. But other than that, I'm fine with fishing. So (laughs) I don't think we've gone too far. Okay.
0: Have we gone too far with plastic surgery?
1: I feel two ways about this. Um, I believe that there is something to be said for being an embodied person and being really comfortable with who you are in your body, whatever that looks like. Um, but I also think that people have a right to do what they want to do with their bodies and they have that freedom of choice. And if they want to do a lot of plastic surgery, then that's 100% their choice. Um, And then I have all kinds of questions. I mean, plastic surgery is used a lot of times with people who have some kind of like body dysmorphia in relation to like, you know, trans youth and, not trans youth, but like trans adults who are making those kinds of decisions. And I'm all for plastic surgery in that regard. So, have we gone too far with plastic surgery? Yes, if it's not about knowing who you are and wanting to be how you see yourself. If it's just about like adhering to an external societal expectation, 100%. If it's within yourself that you're not feeling right in -hmm. your body, plastic surgery, I don't think we've gone too far. I think we've helped a lot of people, actually.
0: Okay. So yeah, I would say I would say helpful in terms of things like cleft palate,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, maybe other physical or what w- might be considered cosmetic conditions that can have far-reaching effects later on in life that would need to mm-hmm. be fixed early on. Um, for me personally, I'm never going to get calf implants or butt implants. Right. But like, what if I want to get a couple of knobs on my forehead?
1: I mean, I have a full sleeve of tattoos. So if you want to get a couple knobs on your forehead, okay. If that's something that you want to do, I mean, I don't get it, but it's not my body. It's yours. And if that feels right for you to have those knobs on your forehead, I'm, I'm all for it.
0: So quick side note just because i'm i'm curious to know what you think about this the things that happen to our bodies now um if you believe in any sort of resurrection are -hmm. those things permanently stamped upon us like if you lose a toe is that permanently lost for eternity now do you have any thoughts or beliefs on that
1: i mean i don't think i'll have a body if there's any if there's any kind of conscious afterlife And I'm still Katie in that conscious afterlife. I don't think I'll have a body at all. So I don't think these are going to stay with me.
0: So are you going to be some sort of conscious ethereal vapor?
1: Maybe. I think kind of ideally, um, I'd really like to um, not be conscious anymore. I'd like to just be fully in the oneness with God after death that would be like ideal for me because can you pete holmes says this whole bit where he talks about like can you imagine if in heaven i'm like i'm pete holmes and i can't imagine like being in heaven and being like i'm katie richardson and i was born in florida i think it would just be really cool to just whatever this like separation that is between me and like god it's gone and it's just i'm just part of the oneness when I die, that would be my ideal. So I wouldn't have a body. I would just be one with God mm. would be ideal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I can see how, how you wouldn't describe yourself as an evangelical after answering that. <laughs>
1: <question. laughs> what well, gave it away. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Katie, this is the last one. And then we're going to get into the main, the main portion of the conversation. Yeah. Have we gone too far? with electricity?
1: I'm very grateful for electricity. Have we gone too far with electricity? Probably not, but I do think we need to figure out more ethical ways of getting electricity, so. That's my, that's my thought on it. If we're going to keep using up natural resources to generate electricity, then we've probably gone too far. Um, but otherwise I'm pretty grateful for like my refrigerator and this computer and these headphones and Mm -hmm. everything that powers my life. So yeah, that's the way I feel about that.
0: Can you go into more depth and qualify what you mean when you say ethical yeah of electricity
1: yeah so i don't want to use fossil fuels to to harness electricity and i think that if we can figure out ways to do that that's not going to deplete our planet of their natural resources um generating electricity using you know solar energy um hydro energy that kind of thing i'm cool with electricity we can if we can be creative with it
0: so where where it went in my mind were things like the deforestation of the Amazon.
1: Totally, yeah.
0: But then also, in my mind, I wasn't sure if you were saying nuclear energy is not ethical.
1: Oh, no, I think think nuclear energy is the best use of this horrible thing that we now... This horrible thing that... That
0: that, we now have. That we now have.
1: have, That we now have. And it's like we can't unknow it, so we might as well generate electricity with it, you know?
0: (laughs) But how fascinating would it be if we destroyed all articles and relevance to it in the modern era, and we just buried it and destroyed the knowledge and stopped using it? Do you think there's anything like that that we should bury? And like after generations try to forget?
1: Um, it's so hard to imagine because the things that I would want to like consider would maybe be like cars, you know, maybe we just, we, we mm-hmm. remove the concept of cars, but so much of what has built who we are now is because of cars, you know? Um, so I don't, I don't know if it would even be possible, but I, I don't know. I've just been thinking a lot. I've, I'm contemplating getting rid of my car and, just thinking a lot about this dependency that we have on this thing that is, I think probably more harmful Mm -hmm. than it is good. But but how do we, you know, we would have to like also come up with amazing light rail systems, and which sounds awesome, but like it would be this whole thing. But yeah, cars would maybe be the thing that I'd be like, let's just not have that anymore. And like, you know, racism and the patriarchy, but like like, big things.
0: Yeah, throw classism in there too.
1: Yeah, throw classism in there, we just bury all of that and then move forward. That would be awesome. I don't know how that happens, but we could figure it out.
0: Man, okay, so we need to record another episode after this about racism, classism.
1: Yeah, because no one is better to talk about it than two white folks. (laughs) Lily White, I think, is how they would describe us, Andrew. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and i know you're making a joke but the the caucasians that care about this i feel like need to speak to the caucasians that do not care oh, about this
1: 100 percent, 100 percent. i actually I, yeah no i totally agree with you it's just funny we need to have a conversation about racism <laughs> like we do but it's just funny
0: <laughs> yeah i totally get that the optics would be awful on that <laughs>
1: it's like The whitest people you can imagine. Yeah, super white. (laughs) It's like a sweater vest, you know?
0: So here's where I was going with electricity and going too far. So I was a research scientist for three years. Then I worked as a chemist in a bottled water company. And I've now started my 11th year as a high school teacher. And some of those jobs, like when I was working at the bottled water company, they had shifts so I could work first shift, second shift, third shift. And when I've been a teacher, there has been no optional shift. My schedule has been very regimented and mandated. And so my idea is, is premised around the fact that I'm a night person. Physiologically and biologically, I feel like I do my best work and my body is most naturally alert in the evening. And it feels oppressive to work in a system that makes me wake up early in the morning. I have to try and shut my body down at night so I can get enough sleep to wake up in the mornings. And so my bright idea is we create essentially two societies. One is a society fully comprised of morning people and morning people have their schools and their gas stations and everything else. And then there's a society of night people and the night people have their school that they work at their gas stations, their businesses, etc. So what do you think about that initial idea
1: i think you'll probably have more morning people than you will night people okay so that i think there will be some disparity
0: is that based on there. a feeling in your heart or do you have like data yeah
1: it's not it's based on just the idea from like the past civilizations and the way that that people like woke up with the sun and then fell asleep to the setting of the sun. So I think that there is something probably I mean, this is all conjecture, but there's like probably something w- like baked within us that that that's, that's the way mm. most people function. Um, I think you'll probably have some in betweeners too, who maybe like in the summertime, they're night people, but then in the wintertime, they're morning people. So I think we need to be comfortable with there being some flexibility within this binary. And um, but I think that that's, I think that that's valid. It's kind of bananas that we have this, we, we know, we know that people are most productive at about 10 AM across the board. Like that's like a, it's like a thought process. Mm-hmm. Then by 10 AM, when I was in high school, I was on my third class of the day. So there are two classes, one of which was AP biology, by the way, like that I did at eight o'clock in the morning, you know, and I had been awake since six, that's probably not the best learning environment for most people. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's great. I, I think that we have the current schedule that we have for, for students and for people because we want everybody to work nine to five. And so if we can get kids to be ingrained in that from jump, then it's really easy to transition them into being workers. So yeah, I'm into splitting it. Let's split it. That sounds great. Okay. So then
0: (laughs) tying it back to electricity.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and one of the things I wanted to ask you about how we've gone too far is with energy drinks. So tied into this, electricity was really the first thing that allowed us to operate outside of the natural cycles of the earth's Mm -hmm. rotation that we live in with Night, daytime. Some people could argue candles did that, but I, I'm not so sure. Right. Like, uh, I think it could really be pinpointed on electricity. And so, there's there's good and and bad with that. One, electricity allows us to perform life-saving operations in hospitals in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. But then it also enables the average person to stay up and do things far past maybe what the circadian or circalunar systems right. and rhythms would permit. So, the next question that I want to ask you is would we be better off and have we gone too far from living apart from nature and living from that rise and fall of the sun and the moon?
1: You know, it's it's interesting that I so I live in Seattle now and um electricity is used in homes a lot in the wintertime to have vitamin D lamps because Seattle doesn't have a lot of sunlight in the wintertime. And so people buy vitamin D lamps because they have seasonal depression. Cool advantage electricity. That's just an aside. Um, Would we be better with a circadian rhythm? I, I don't know. I don't know because I've grown up. This is the way that I've grown up. This is, this is, this is, I mean, I, I left the womb and there was electricity. Do you know what I mean? Like, that was like, I, I left the womb into a bright light. You know what I mean? So like this idea of, of, of ever being able to, to, to get back to nature. I don't know if there's like a going back, maybe there's a reintegration, which, which I think would be good. Um, but I don't know if there's a going back to nature option. I don't know if that's an option.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you mean? You don't know if that's an option.
1: I don't like, I don't know if, if our, if the, if the, it would have to be like gradual or over generations because if we were to just be like, okay, this generation, we are now going to follow a more circadian rhythm with our relationship to nature and to electricity and whatever it would, it, I think it would actually really mess with people. I, I'm concerned about the, the massive disrupt in, in the way that people do life currently, it, it would have to be a gradual generational scaling back. Which of course is like the the issue with all change, I think, is that most of the time it's gradual and generational and And it's not the kind of change we want to do. Yeah, it's,
0: it's
1: not drastic. Now today we've decided we're going to, you know, everyone is going to actually be in relationship with the sun. Um, what's really fascinating about right now and being in Seattle is We're covered in smoke. So <laughs> i can't it, it it looks the same all day so from i mean i'm at the bakery at 6 a.m so i was there when the sun rose and then i left and it was it was as if it had been 5 p.m the whole day like it, it didn't i kept accidentally looking at the sun because i couldn't figure out where it was coming from um so i don't know i mean a, we live in a world that has climate fires now too. So this, I, I did not have a relationship with time hmm. that was connected to the sun yesterday. Does that make sense? Yeah. It just didn't, it was the same all day. There was no natural rhythm. So.
0: Hmm. So what's, the way the way that i would describe it would be societal inertia it's the like inertia is a property of matter that resists change in motion mm-hmm. so i'm often frustrated by the inability of society to rapidly accommodate changes
1: mm-hmm.
0: and i feel like that societal inertia would definitely be true in this scenario if we were creating the the circadian and the circalunar lunar societies the morning and mm-hmm. The night people. But do you think that those societies could coexist in the same geographical area or would they have to be geographically distinct
1: I think they could benefit from each other if they were in the same location. So I think that there, there could be coexisting, but there We'd have to figure out how to do it without creating classism and segregation, though. So...
0: Well, the evening people would obviously be superior.
1: Oh! Got it! Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That would be the ruling class.
1: Of course, they would be the ruling class. And there would be, like, a star crossed lover situation between, you know, all all of that. I've
0: I've fallen in love with a morning person. (laughs) What will Papa say?
1: (laughs) Exactly! Yeah! (laughs) So I think we'd have to figure out a way for it to work where there is mutual respect for the two different things that, that each society, each, each of those, like, sects bring to each other. If we have that baked into the system, then it could be really beneficial for there to be some coexisting. But I think people are probably more complicated than this binary that that we've created. So I mm-hmm. just don't, it would work as like a framework as long as we can also recognize that there can be like some intermingling as well, I think.
0: Okay. So let's say that we we have this society of, of people that are living with the natural cycles. So mm-hmm. they rise from the sun, they go to bed, When it gets dark out. Do you feel like there would be any propensity to rehash gender roles in that society? Um, Like, do you, do you think that if we went back to that time without electricity, maybe not without electricity, maybe they have electricity, but they're not using it for light bulbs for light energy. Do you think that that would revert back to the times when women would be homesteading and cooking and cleaning, taking care of the children, or maybe walking to get water, while the men would be reserved to hunting or other specific roles?
1: You know, it's interesting because there's this this book, and I can't remember what it's called, but it's about the formation of new technologies and its relationship to women. And, mm. um, how it doesn't, you would think that new technology would make it easier for women to be women. And then they would have like more time to like learn to do, like they would have more time to be like in society as opposed to separate from the home. But that has functionally not been the way that that it's worked. Mm -hmm. So if you go back to like, like it used to be like women made bread and it was like bread that was milled by a man. And then we had like these like industrial mills and the quality of the flour was better, which just made it so that women had to make better bread. And then they had to make cakes. And then there was like egg beaters were invented. And then they had to make angel food cakes, which are like complicated. It's like, it doesn't make women's life easier to have technology, it just makes it more complicated. And if mm. you go back, like even if we if we eliminate agrarian society, we go to like what we believe the hunter-gatherer society actually looks like. There was a lot more um, interdependence between men and women and equal opportunity with roles. If you have like the hunter and the gatherer and they're equally as important to developing the food source, then there's there's more equality in that relationship. And then when we start having this idea that women need to have a lot of babies to keep the farm and tend to the farm, of course it makes sense to keep her in the house because, I don't think I'm answering your question, but of course it's okay to keep her in the house because like we need to preserve the baby maker. So how far back are we going, I guess is my question. <laughs> I think there was a point where things were a little bit more equal and then It got worse and it's maybe getting better now, but also sometimes we just want women to be everything We still hate women. We just want them to be everything We want them to be successful in business and successful in the home in equal measure
0: Man Um, the question that just popped in my mind was it feels like the difference in physiology and biology has driven gender roles, Mm -hmm. right? So women become pregnant, they give birth, so they're not able to work as much as a man. Mm -hmm. Do you think that we can achieve equality despite those differences in biology? Or would the only way to truly achieve equality would be for men and women both to be able to become pregnant and both be able to give birth?
1: So there's a company in Portland that's women owned and um, she operates on her cycle. So she's very aware that like when she is ovulating, when she's in her luteal phase, that she is way more productive than when she is premenstrual or menstruating. And so she has catered her work schedule to that rhythm and the women in that work with her cater their work schedule to that rhythm because their rhythm is different it's not better or worse it's just different uh-huh. um so so much of the way that our society works is based on a, a male rhythm as opposed to a female rhythm and I'm, I'm being very like i'm not acknowledging that gender binary is not as a construct I'm kind of if this is like this is very generalized men are from mars women are from venus and i'm aware of that That there's a lot of overlap and different things like that but we do have this like this nine to five work week works really really well for men because mm-hmm. of the way that their cycle men are cyclical too but their cycle is different and it's it's not that women can't do it. Women have, have been molding themselves into a man's world for forever. It's just that that doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily the best for us. So I don't think that we need to change anything. Women, I think men are often like shocked by what it is that women do and deal with all the time. Like, you know, like we just like, we just we were 12. I mean, I was 12 years old. I started my period. And from that moment on, I had to just pretend that once a month, there wasn't blood coming out of my vagina because it's not something that mm. We're allowed to talk about and and I don't I, I don't have a like it's natural. I, I don't have a I have a pretty good relationship with my period. I'm just saying all of this to say that like I think I think men are men are way more concerned about what women are capable of than women are because women are very aware of what we're capable of. It's like we We have to do men stuff all the time when there's blood coming out of our vagina, you know, like that's That's just the way that it is. So yeah, I don't think that I don't think that needs to be I don't, I don't, I don't need men to experience my womanliness To understand like, I don't need that to to equalize me. I just, I just need there to be an acknowledgement that like, I am just as powerful as a man. There are some things about the the, the, physiologically about me that are just different, but they're neither better, or worse, or less, Mm -hmm. or more. It's just, there's just a difference. And and, uh, frankly, like, that's the way it is with most people there's something going on that we don't know about. There's something, I mean, like there is no perfect person out there. So everybody's dealing with different things. It's just, anyway, that's, Hmm. I think I'm rambling, but that's what I feel about that.
0: (laughs) It's it's really fascinating to hear about that, that company Mm -hmm. near where you are, where she works around. And that sounds like, to try and just put it succinctly instead of hash it out, a privileged position to own a business and to be able to set that culture for your company.
1: 100%, yeah.
0: Um, Do you think that, like what would that look like if we took that on on a wide scale? Because there are business considerations like answering emails at 8 a.m., To be Mm -hmm. able to talk to France and China and Japan and all these other companies because of the severe time difference. Do you think that that really society embracing that and our natural cycles would inhibit business.
1: So I'm I'm less concerned about inhibiting business as I am about the enrichment of people's lives, just in general, (laughs) like, like, oh, oh, no, we're not going to make as much money. I'm a little less concerned about that. But I also think like this whole question of like the have we gone too far question in general, to me, when we're talking about about this kind of these kind of like big changes, Uh the question is like, have we gone too far? Yes if we just want to make slight changes to the status quo have we gone too far if we want to make giant structural change no we've not gone far enough at all you know it's like i i feel like we 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 stop at we've made a more civil version of what we already have or a more or a nicer version of what we already have if we want to see big change we've we've never gone far enough. Yeah, I think I agree with that.
0: So then how can we take it to that next level? What's our what's our plan?
1: Oh, I don't have one. I'm sorry to say I don't have one. I just
0: I Is it political? Is it grassroots is it
1: i mean i think it's always going to be grassroots i'm, I'm always going to opt for grassroots over a political a massive political shift because i feel like that the political shift is 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 it's like the the domino effect from the grassroots movement and anytime we try and astroturf something um it astroturfing is the idea of, of like Large political groups, so like the Koch brothers, often astroturf where they like they funded the Tea Party, and so the Tea Party created this organization that was it was it looked grassroots, but it was actually funded by billionaires. Anytime we astroturf, it the results. I mean, no one talks about the Tea Party anymore, and I don't think there are any Tea Party candidates. There are very few Tea Party people left in the Republican Party. Frankly, I'm not a Republican. It's like as an observation, just a, just an outsider observation. Um, when we ask turf things, it dies. So, starting with a grassroots movement is the way to to bring this kind of thing about. And again, it's it's not the kind of change we want to see because it takes it takes time and it's a lot of nothing and then all of one all at once. Mm -hmm. It it looks like nothing and then all at once because there's this gradual growth that happens gradual awareness that happens
0: So if we're looking at this I would call it the prophetic landscape. What's capable Mm -hmm. in our future. What are the possibilities? Do you think that this sort of change? meaning the change in like us following natural cycles getting away from having to drink energy drinks in the morning coffee, mm-hmm. you know, Red Bull, any any sort of caffeine. Do you think that that would lessen the disparity between classes and racism and any of these other big issues that that have a high societal inertia?
1: Probably, because I think that any time that we de-standardize our society, is that a word? De-standardize, unstandardized, When we remove the standardization, from society, I think we end up with better results. When we stop assuming that everybody learns the same way, that everybody, you know, is gonna pass the same kind of test. I mean, am thinking like in school, obviously, because of like yeah. the standardized tests, but like, but the idea that like, everyone's gonna function the same way, just because a lot of people function well in this, in this way. Anytime we do make those kinds of big changes, it's helpful. Anytime we acknowledge that people are, different and that people have different needs, it's helpful to the society. I,
0: I want to echo that. I think understanding the variety and the diversity is so important. I mean, let alone an education, understanding like there's a, this big idea that teachers always start off teaching to their learning profile, meaning mm-hmm. like an individual teacher has a way that they learn things. Mm-hmm. Generally they start teaching through that lens without accommodating different or diverse learning types. And then you grow as a teacher as you break out of that and see, oh, okay, you know, these are all the different learning types. These are how I I can reach my students and help them fulfill their potential.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So give us an example of that in in society. So outside of the classroom, like how can we, how can we hear stories about life that's different than someone else's?
1: Yeah. So I immediately, when you said that, I started thinking about the the disability movement um, and the disability. Oh gosh, what was it called? The, the Disabilities Rights Act, where I mean, like, they literally, disabled people crawled upstairs in in places to um, to help people understand that this, this concept of like this building with stairs may be great for you, but I can't get to this building because you won't put in ramps, like just basic things like you won't put in ramps. So they would literally crawl up the stairs to, to demonstrate that. Like that was a huge part of that, of, Uh of what brought that awareness to people's attention. Because if you don't, if you've got functioning legs, you don't ever think about, whether or not a building is accessible that's not something that you're concerned about at all accessibility to disabled people um i mean and then there's the i mean of course there's like the 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 lunch counter sit-ins where you know black black folks sat in in white spaces i mean we think about that as like That's just an example of discrimination. It's like that. That was the point that they were trying to make is that they're not allowed to sit in. It's shocking to you that they're sitting in these white places. You're a white person, you maybe have never had never thought about, even if you're a well intentioned white person, you maybe have never thought about what it must be like to to be excluded from something Mm -hmm. or I mean like the, the the aids movement in the 80s when they would do like sickens and dead ends where they would literally just lie on the ground as if they were dead because they had a death sentence and nobody was doing any research about this massive epidemic that was killing people mm-hmm. so i mean i'm just thinking about those kind of like radical moments where people just point out i mean those are big examples but it's just pointing out that like the way that everything functions for everybody else is not working for me And I'm not alone in that. There are other people who, who cannot survive this way. Or it's, or it's really hard to survive this way.
0: I think if there were a singular principle outside of selfless love for one another, I think it would be the ability to, to have a humanizing gaze. Mm hmm in the mm-hmm. world, um, you know, in America and many other countries, Caucasian males are the apex of social status. Um, and even with Caucasian females, yeah. there's a huge issue and a disconnect between the humanity, the value and the dignity of a white woman. And then I don't feel like I even need to rationalize the thought that with other races, with minorities, Mm -hmm. people with disabilities, those with varying cognitive syndromes, you know, I think we could really benefit from humanizing one another and grasping for friendships with people who are diverse and different from us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that, I think that's really true. I, I, and there's, there's an element of, so I, I'm the kind of person who I'm going back to school. I'm very good at school. I love school. The way that school is set up works so well for me. And it always did. I thrived in that environment. I'm so excited to be back in that environment. I'm good at school. And it's set up in a way that just really works for me. It would be so easy for me to think that I, I mean, and they did, you know, they put me in the gifted program and I took the advanced classes. It's all set up for me to think that I'm somehow superior to other people, my age, because I was good at school, because the way that learning is done in the classroom works so well for me. I'm not smarter or superior to, to other, people who didn't do as well in school that's not an indication of that but the world is set up for me to feel that way because it worked so well for me Mm -hmm. so if we're gonna if we're gonna be honest about the world it's set up in such a way that it works better for other for some people than it does for other people and going back to it works better for morning people it just does the world functions better for morning people than it does for people who just need a little bit more time to you know be be on and be ready hmm. it doesn't mean that morning people are better people it, it just means that the world works better for them
0: mm-hmm. so there is there have been several moments where inconveniences have enlightened me. And Mm -hmm. what I mean is, so I live in Chattanooga and downtown, there's still a pretty significant homeless population. Mm -hmm. And when I'm driving around downtown, oftentimes I find myself inconvenienced and feeling frustrated when someone who appears to be homeless is wandering across the street while I have a green light.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: That's, that's frustrating, particularly for me because I don't just go on leisure drives. I'm not driving because I enjoy it. I'm driving to get from A to B in the shortest and safest amount of time possible and traffic signals flow. And I often get stopped at a light that I, I could pass if there wasn't someone inhibiting my motion. And so my perception is this is a homeless person. And maybe two years ago, I stopped getting mad and getting frustrated about that. And instead I was just glad and grateful that they could cross the street without getting hit. Yeah. A safe way. Um, and I think it, it takes moments like that and it takes emotional sobriety to look at situations like that to grow from it and to realize, Oh, like, I don't really see these people as fellow brothers and sisters as human beings. Right. People get reduced to an abiotic inconvenience. There's no humanity to them. Um, and I think, I think that issue in and of itself has wrought so much destruction upon our society.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It's something that I've noticed, too, that um, if someone who appears homeless would stop to talk to me, I have, one, I have what I call resting nice face, so it happens fairly often. <laughs> People like to stop and talk to me. Little do they know, I'm not super interested in what they have to say, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> um, so, like, if someone who appears homeless stop and talk to me, I would I would be more afraid than if someone who appears mm. not homeless on the street would stop to talk to me. I have equal risk in those situations. It's you know, the the risk is the same depending on who the person is. There's not like homeless the the, the unhoused are not inherently more violent than than we we know this. Like that's not They're not inherently more violent, but I was more afraid because one person is more dehumanized than the other, to me, because we dehumanize a group of people more than, than we do, you know, the guy who looks fairly well-dressed and wants to have a conversation with me. Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk to either one of them, but you get it. (laughs) (laughs) Here,
0: here's the final question that I want us to end with yeah is um is it is it disingenuous to form relationships with people who are obviously different than you for the sake of learning for the sake of educating yourself
1: yes that's dehumanizing have have a relationship with someone who's different with you because you like that person and and have a relationship that way. I mm-hmm. think come at come at it from that perspective. I would say that coming, coming at, it, here's the difference. If you're gonna pay that person, go for it. If you're gonna give them money to teach you about themselves mm-hmm. and that's why you have a relationship with them, pay them. Because they're providing you with an education. If mm-hmm. the goal is to have a relationship with a person, have a relationship with a person, and you know a, a, and have that be the reason that you're pursuing relationship with them
0: katie i love talking to you
1: <laughs> i love talking to you
0: if people were really struck by the things you said and they wanted some sort of way to keep up with you or to follow you can you point people in that direction
1: yeah so i'm i'm limited on social media but i am on instagram Katie Joy Richardson Um, and that's the best place to follow me. I do a lot of stories and and that kind of thing. So um, that's that's probably the best way to follow me with information and, and that kind of thing, at least for right now. I'll let you know if that changes.
0: All right, thanks, Katie.
1: Yeah, thanks.